Good morning. Good morning, brother. So good to be with you this morning. We uh, welcome a visitor uh, with James. James's brother's here all the way from Nigeria, and so we're grateful to have him this morning. And we welcome him. Uh, and thank you for being with us this morning to worship. God bless you in your travels, and we look forward to seeing you more often this month, God willing. And uh, we have a lot of folks here from our, for our breakfast class, and we're delighted that you're here. And it's just good to be together, uh, the family of Christ together, to encourage one another to worship. We're grateful for Isaac for being here this morning and doing such a good job leading singing. It's always good to have a good song leader, and uh, so we've enjoyed uh, his work this morning, so thank you. Uh, If you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua 2. That's going to be the lesson text for this morning, Joshua 2, and we'll be studying about Rahab. And the first thing that I want to kind of get the idea going and to think about is the idea of courage. Courage. Courage is something that's in high demand, but unfortunately, it's in short supply, isn't it? And one thing that I recognize in my own life, and maybe you do in yours, is that sometimes doing the right thing isn't always easy, is it? Sometimes it takes immense courage to say, to do, to live in such a way that is right before God, isn't it? And it takes courage. And sometimes I don't know where to find that courage in myself. I look for it. I look inside my heart, I look inside my mind, and I don't know if I have the courage. And I, just like anybody else, sometimes grow weary and sometimes am fearful. But I'm reminded of the words of John Wayne, who I think most of us would think of as a courageous person, who said this, Courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. Sometimes maybe we have the misconception that courage is the absence of fear when it's not, is it? Actually, courage is overcoming that fear that's within us. That's what courage is, isn't it? It's not the absence of fear, but it's getting on your horse, it's saddling up and riding on anyway. And sometimes it takes courage to love people. Sometimes it takes courage to do the right thing, to say the right thing. And we need it, don't we? The book of Joshua is a book about courage. In fact, it starts out in Joshua 1.9. It says, Be strong and of good courage, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't that a beautiful verse? To be strong and to be courageous. Why? Not because it's dependent on you. But it's because God is with you wherever you go. Be courageous. Overcome that fear. And the book of Joshua is a book divided really in two parts. The first 12 chapters are one of conquest. 
or one of war. And they're going into the land of Israel and fighting for it. And they need courage. And then the last 12 chapters to 24 are about them inheriting that land of promise. God making good on that promise. And He says, be courageous. You know, in the last couple of weeks, we have been witnesses to remarkable courage, haven't we? In the face of traumatic events, we've seen people, ordinary people, live lives that were courageous. In fact, a man, a football coach by the name of Aaron Feiss, when that shooting broke out, what did he do? Did he run for high ground? No, he used his own body to shield three students in a deadly spray of bullets. That's courage, isn't it? And one student remarked about him, he said, he died the same way he lived. He put himself second. It's astonishing, isn't it? That ordinary people, an ordinary football coach, put his life in between those and his own students. Or Scott Beagle, a geography teacher who was killed as he ushered students into the classroom for safety. Courage. Where do people get that kind of courage? That kind of courage that we call sometimes the 3 o'clock in the morning kind of courage. That courage involves many things, doesn't it? Many characteristics. Number one, it involves the presence of mind. I don't know if you've ever been fearful or you've ever been scared or caught off guard, but sometimes we just freeze, don't we? But to have the presence of mind to know what to do in those times. And those gentlemen had that, didn't they? Courage is having that presence of mind. It's having that audacity of heart that I'm going to do something. That I have the nerve, I have the guts to stand in the way what about the love of the Spirit? You think those teachers cared about their students? Standing in front of those bullets, doing those things? Reminded that the greatest of these is love. And lastly, when we see encourage, we see a sense of urgency and perseverance interlocked, don't we? That here they're doing something so urgent, but yet they're persevering through it Interlocked in a moment. And today, our lesson is about a hero of courage. And it's an unlikely hero. And sometimes those are the best kind, aren't they? The kind that you don't expect to be the hero of the story. Just an ordinary person. In fact, our hero today, maybe some of us wouldn't even allow in our own homes... Maybe some of us wouldn't even allow in our own church. Maybe some of us wouldn't even allow in our own community. But yet she has found her way into sacred Scripture. Think about that. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about a prostitute. Rahab. No, we might not let her into our house. We might not let her into the church. We might not let her into City Hall. But somehow she found her way in sacred Scripture as a hero. 
It says in in the Scriptures, it venerates her faith and it venerates her works. Something to make us scratch our heads. Something to challenge us. In fact, when it lists her name in the book of Hebrews, she's named with Enoch. She's named with Noah. She's named with Abraham. She's named with Moses. And it says, by faith, the harlot... Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. Also in James, it venerates her works. It says, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? Isn't that remarkable? That our story, our hero in this story is a prostitute. The first thing that this tells me is, number one, God's grace can accomplish great things through anybody. God's grace can accomplish great things through you and I. Why? Because it worked in Rahab's life. In verse 1 it says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went, and they came to a house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. In the verse, first verse, we have Rahab coming into the center of the story and they go, the spies, two spies go to lodge with her. You might think that's an odd choice of a place to lodge, isn't it? Why do you think that they secretly went to a prostitute's house? Well, I would imagine... That like most places of ill repute, you're not asking anybody else's name, are you? There's usually a bit of sensitivity and discretion in places like that, aren't there? People don't usually advertise that they're going to the prostitute's house, do they? No, it's a secret thing, isn't it? And you know what? She even had an escape route outside of her window. Do you think that... These spies were the only ones to use that. I'm reminded of the blues song by Elmore James who sang, Ain't ain't but one way out, babe. And I just can't go out that door because there's a man down there and he might be your man I don't know. But Rahab had an escape route, didn't she? What does it tell us about our judgments that maybe sometimes that we have preconceptions and we have prejudices and we look at each other and we say, oh, God can't use them. They're a lost cause. They'll never change. Have you heard that? We hear it in churches, don't we? We hear it in schools. We hear it in homes. But the fact of the matter is, God desires that all people everywhere come to know Him. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us for the not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God desires every person to come to a saving grace. What about some of the greatest saints that we've ever known? Peter was a coward. Paul was an enemy of the church. He was a fanatic of hate but yet Christ 
used them in His service. He, his transformative grace changed them. And Rahab is one of those people, isn't she? That God's grace can use her. I'm reminded of that sinful woman that came to Christ and cleansed His feet with her own hair. And the Pharisee looked at her and Christ said, who loves more? The one who is forgiven more or the one who is forgiven less? And He said, her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much. God can accomplish great things through us. No matter where we come from. No matter our past. And it begins in faith, doesn't it? Faith is where it begins. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. That's the beginning point. Sometimes we think the beginning point is me being perfect. And that's not it because none of us are ever going to start there, are we? We might not even finish there until the Lord comes again. The great philosopher Kierkegaard said, the opposite of sin is not virtue. No, the opposite of sin is faith. That's where we begin, isn't it? No matter what we've been through. And God has plans for each of us starting right now. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. God's grace can use anyone. Number two, God's grace can sustain us through any circumstance. Through any circumstance. And look what happens to Rahab. Verse 2, And it was told the king Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. So who does Rahab have to deal with? The leader of the city, the king. This is a tall order. She's going to have to face the king of Jericho. That's who's chasing after these spies. Not just anyone. And it says in verses 4 that she hid them. She hid the spies. She didn't have to. Why did she do that? Reminds me of that person by the name of Corey Tenboom, who came from that Christian family who repaired watches, who hid Jews during World War II. And one of the verses that they turned to as solace and as of comfort was Psalms 119, 114. It says, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in Thy works. Corey Timboon once said, In darkness God's truth shines the most clear. In those dark moments, don't they? And if anyone knew that, it would be Corey Timboon because she spent time in a concentration camp. Her family, some of them murdered for her helping those who were sought after by the Nazis. A lot of times when we look at this story of, of Rahab, though, we concentrate and people ask questions about verses 4 through 7, and they are interesting because there's an ethical dilemma within the story. Because Rahab is faced with the choice. Of what does she do? Does she, need, does she hide these spies? And then she also lies as a result. Look at what happens. The woman took the two men and hid them. 
And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And it happened at the gate with, was being shut when it was dark that the men went out where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. And we find out that she hides the men on the roof. And so she lies. And so a great many people ask this question, well, why is Rahab blessed when she lies? And it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because life isn't so easy, is it? Life isn't always black and white, is it? Sometimes the lines do get blurred and we don't know what to do. In fact, Corey Timboom, she wrestled with the fact that she had to lie and thieve and commit forgery and bribery for the safety of herself and her family and for Jews, some of which she knew and some of which she did not. So what do you do? Do you lie? You know, sometimes we have to recognize that there is a hierarchy of values, aren't there? And that sometimes in this life, sometimes maybe different principles, different values might come in conflict with one another. And we have to sit back and pray to God and ask which value is the most important. As Jesus said of the Pharisees, they have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. And God forbid, if ever two values or principles come in contact with each other in conflict with one another, we pick the one that's right. And at the end of the day, God did not bless or approve Rahab's lies, lies, but because she through faith obeyed, albeit imperfectly, She protected the lives of the spies. That's why God blessed her. It wasn't because she lied. It was because she protected the lives of the spies. A lot of times when people pick on Rahab, they forget that the spies came into the land as spies. Does that mean you're coming into the land telling everybody who you are? Or that you're doing it secretly and in a way that's subterfuge or deceptively. God can get us through any circumstance. Even if those circumstances are ethical dilemmas. Even when we don't know what to do, what's right. We need to ask God for His help. Number three, God's grace is triumphant and victorious. And that's what we find in the story. And in verse 12, she asked the spies, she says, please... When you come back in here, I know that God is going to be victorious. I've heard about what He's done at the Red Sea. I've heard about the deliverance. We're fearful of that. And he says, she says, please show kindness to my father's house. Please remember me. The revelation of God had been made known to the people. They knew the children of Israel were protected by God. And she requests humbly for God's favor. And then they give her the appropriation for that which is what we read, which is that scarlet cord. And they said, if you will put that scarlet cord outside of your window, the people of Israel will know to spare you and whoever's in your household. Isn't that a wonderful blessing? And she hangs that scarlet cord outside of her window, and then when the children of Israel come, 
And when they march around the city of Jericho seven days in a row and then seven times on the seventh day and the walls fall and when they go in to occupy the town, they spare Rahab and her family because of that scarlet cord. You know what? There is a scarlet cord here today for our lives. There is a scarlet cord that we must bind to our hearts and to our lives. And that is the blood of Christ. And if we don't have that scarlet cord in our window, if we don't have our hearts bound by that scarlet cord, then there is no safety for us. It also says that whoever's inside the house that there's safety inside. And in the same way, just as there was safety inside of Rahab's house, there's safety in His church. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, and we're protected, we're safe with that scarlet cord. The amazing thing about Rahab, even more amazing, is the rest of the story for her. Not only was she spared... Not only was her family spared, but she goes on to marry a man by the name of Salmon. And Salmon begats Boaz, and Boaz begats Jesse, and Jesse begats David. And in the line of David, you have Jesus. She requested, show my my father's house kindness. And because of the providence of God, through the sovereignty of God, not only was she spared, but through her, through a prostitute, Jesus Christ came to this earth. Isn't that amazing? God's grace is triumphant and victorious, but it takes courage, doesn't it? It takes courage to follow Him. It takes courage to do the right thing. But we need that scarlet cord, don't we? I'm reminded of a poem that Corey Tenboom wrote. And she said, wrote this, My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors he weaveth steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent, the shuttle cease to fly, will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are needful in the weaver's skillful hand, as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern He has planned. He knows, He loves, He cares, nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice. To him. Leaving the choice to God. Saying, not my will, but thy will be done on earth. And when we do that, that even though we may be in trying circumstances, that God has a plan. Things that are beyond our sight. Just as Rahab never knew that it would be through her lineage that the world would be blessed with salvation, Jesus Christ, that you and I, if we knit that scarlet cord into our lives, into our hearts, 
God promises great things. Eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which the Lord has prepared for those that love Him. And just as God prepared a destiny for Rahab and for the world, He's prepared that for you and I. So why not obey Him? Have the courage. The great writer William Faulkner said, you cannot swim for new horizons until you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. There's a new horizon. It is that eternal horizon. And we have to have the courage to let go of the past. To let go of the way that we know how to live and to, and to hold on to the way that He gives us. This morning, if you're not a Christian, the Bible doesn't say that it's the easiest life. But God says that when we walk with Him, when we follow Him, then He will make a way for us. That He will strengthen us. That He will give us the courage when we need it. Or maybe you are a Christian. We want to sing a song to encourage you to continue. And if anyone has any need, we want to sing this song to encourage you to come now as together we stand and as we sing.